Volume 2, Issue 53, Syndicate. This week we look at the 2012 release of Syndicate. Developed by Starbreeze Studios, did the Swedish outfit bring a brand new lick of paint to a much-beloved franchise, or did they fumble under the pressure of such a legacy? I'm your host, Tony Atkins, and with me tonight is James Carter. Hello. Darren Gargett. Hey. And Carl Moon. Hey, guys. talking about the 2012 release of Syndicate, not the 1993 release of Syndicate. But this is Kane and Rince. We'd be remiss if we didn't go back and look at the foundations of this franchise. So we're going to have a little chat of uh, where Syndicate began way back in 1993 on no less than 11 platforms. Uh, what? 11? <laughs> 11 platforms. <laughs> Was there 11 platforms around? Uh, what? It wasn't well, all at once. It was on the Amiga and PC originally, yes. and then others added in afterwards. So yeah. But but get so if you wish to play Syndicate on the platforms where it was originally released, you could play it on Amiga, which is where I played it, Amiga CD32, PC, Mac, Sega Mega Drive, SNES, 3DO, Atari Jaguar, Acorn Archimedes, NEC PC 9801, and the Mega CD. If you were one of the few people that own such a device. So the original Syndicate was an isometric real-time tactical game produced by Bullfrog Productions. Um, an expansion pack actually followed a year later called The American Revolt. And also in 1996, a sequel to the game called Syndicate was released on PC and PlayStation. Now, I didn't play the expansion pack and I didn't play the sequel, but I did play the original game on the Amiga back in... 1993, I say back in 1993, as per usual, mine's a little bit sketchy when I'm only 13 at that point in my life, so I've probably played it at a slightly later date, but around early in the 90s, I did play Syndicate, and my memory's a little hazy of it, so I've done some research, I've looked at some YouTube videos, and I have to admit, I never completed it back in a day, because it was legendarily hard. Now, James, I believe you did complete it back in the day. Again, um, sketchy memory on this one, but um, like yourself, uh, I, I have sort of vague memories of it and did a bit of research this past week, including going back to it. It's um, handily available on good old games, um, mm. and I, I sort of pulled it back up and I recognised everything I was looking at, and then a quick YouTube scan, and I couldn't see anything towards the end of the game that I didn't recognise in some vague way. Um, but yeah, really hazy memory on it, I've got to say. Just the original. Carl, Darren, have you two had experience with the old game? I no. got the original on the Amiga. Um, I can't really remember playing a lot of it, but I do remember not gelling with it. Um, but I do remember playing Syndicate Wars. Uh, I, I remember being 
a young kid and travelling all the way in a red car on the bus and walked down to old game shop chips and looking in the glass case and there was syndicate wars and it was five pounds and I remember thinking, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick that one up, you know, if they serve me it. But you know, they were pretty lenient on that. I picked <laughs> it up and I played it on the PC and I struggled, but I really enjoyed it. I loved the whole futuristic setting and the way you could use the weapons and the way you'd lead your, you know, your syndicate soldiers around the streets and whatnot. Um, I don't believe I ever completed it because. Uh, at that point, I had so many games to play, but I do remember really enjoying the, you know, the 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 feel of the game. Uh, so I'd, I certainly have fond memories of it in that regard. Like I said, it's a much beloved title and, and a name that has stuck around. Certainly for people that were, were into gaming back in the nineties, it's a, it's quite a synonymous name. And so. so I guess to paint you a picture is an isometric real-time tactical game so by that mean obviously it's a top-down view um, you had a, a group of four soldiers of your squad um, and you had control I think independently you could control them or you could use them as a squad as one yeah much much that, like a lot of real-time strategy games you could group them together although in this it was grouped together almost by default and you had to then mm-hmm. individually select and you could split them into two two-man squads or individually and, and start thinking a bit more tactically about how you took uh, took situations on, but in early levels, it was just easiest to keep them as a four-man squad together. Yeah. So as you progress through the missions, um, you gain credits through the what well, is Eurocorp, wasn't it? Through the organisation mm-hmm. uh, that you were working for, and with that, you could uh, apply upgrades. Essentially, I mean, it's a lot of stuff actually we see now when you go back and examine it. But the idea was to earn cash to then automate your bodies with um, either you know you're getting the flamethrowers or the gas grass gun or um, augmenting body parts, etc. like that. There was a, a few things where there was something called a Persuadatron, where you could actually uh, persuade people, rather than killing them, you could persuade them to be uh, become a giant and on your side and actually become part of the mission. Normally, actually, you just put them in front of people as, as basically, <laughs> basically just cannon fodder. But um, it gave you a, a way to tackle missions rather than just head-on assault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit, a bit more of a kind of fan, a, a thinking man's tactical shooter rather than just you know, running around. Um, cyberpunk, cyberpunk's a weird, a weird styling, isn't it? It's been around for quite a long time, but um, I guess most people would know it really from uh, Blade Runner in yeah. what was that, eighty-seven. Uh, well, yes, yeah. some way back. Yeah, uh, Cyberpunk's a definite draw for me. Uh, as a kid, I wasn't really aware of Cyberpunk, and I remember looking at the back of um, the Syndicate box art, oh, the actual case, thinking, I've played Powermonger, I hated it. So why would I want to play Syndicate? Because it has the same style of, you know, the over isometric overhead sort of gameplay. And I just that's the reason why I never got into Syndicate. Um, I, I did play Syndicate Wars briefly. I played it co-op with um, my mate Kip, ever, everlasting mate Kip. Um, <laughs> he, he set up all the stuff. He set up all the gear, all the missions and stuff. And I was just his little bitch. I just ran around after him. And he told me what to do, basically. So, um, yeah, Syndicate's a weird one. Uh, the, but, yeah, um, the... the the cyberpunk aspect to most things like Blade Runner, uh, I, I guess the Running Man in, in some weird way. I guess that's sort of dystopia, you know, sort of that kind yeah. of dystopia type effect. Yeah, that that is a real draw. Uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution was a, was a cyberpunk game, and I think it's the soundtrack that gets me with cyberpunk more than the aesthetics. It's the the music that 
goes alongside uh, cyberpunk is I don't know it just sort of resonates with me I, I, I do really enjoy it I always think of uh, cyberpunk more of like a, a near future thing rather than like it's very distant futures you know sci-fi to me is something that's you know millenniums away um, where cyberpunk always seems a bit more close because it, there's you know normally TVs and things and you know built into the background yeah. uh, has that aesthetic of you know clothes which are almost like face masks but you know aren't aren't so over the top that you know you, you wonder what happened in the evolution of humankind so I think it, it feels like it has more of a a con- connection to modern day rather than some of the sci-fi yeah, stuff which seems um, it, far away it's less about sort of space travel and and grand ideas of what our future might be as as a you know as human species and it's more about um it's almost a big brother style a 1984 style dystopia but w- with the sort of technological advancements you would expect you know us to have in the next 10 20 years uh, it's very much about the foreseeable future and how badly that could go wrong uh, mm. potentially in terms of mega corporations and um human be it either cyborg or genetic alterations that sort of thing yeah and before we move on to um the the game we're actually going to be talking about which is the 2012 uh, release of syndicate there, there was some really interesting stuff from the original game such as you'd have to take territories so um you'd go in there with your your corporation you would take over a territory you'd kill everybody in there and then you'd have to hold that territory if i remember correctly yeah. um a little bit more kind of has to, to an element some sort of complex structure to it I mean, there's 50 plus missions in there um there was a lot to do in that game and like i say it got incredibly hard towards the end yeah. of it um, started off easy, but yeah, by the end, if you hadn't gone down that route, it almost seems what people are having experience with X, XCOM at the moment. Mm-hmm. If you haven't kind of organised your group and earned enough money, then you could leave yourself down quite a, a difficult dead end. Yeah. Um, basically, what you had was like a world map, and it was a multicoloured map, so each territory had a, a colour, and the idea was to spread your colour across the map. Depend- mm-hmm. you, you chose a, a, you could name and create a logo for your syndicate and whatever primary colour you used on lo- your logo would spread across the map as you completed missions in the territory um, and what you had to do almost um, SimCity-like I guess is you set tax rates in, in territories you'd taken over um, and that managed their happiness uh, and if if a territory got sufficiently unhappy, they would potentially revolt and you'd have to go and complete another mission there to secure the territory again. So uh, there was definitely a lot of um, a lot of sort of background management of resources to do um, in terms of obviously higher tax gets you more money and you can plow money into research to start unlocking uh, the upgrades you talked about. You could either buy weapons or you could upgrade body parts, which... Eye upgrades improved your soldiers' uh, aim. Arm upgrades in- improved the heavy weapons they could carry. Uh, leg upgrades moved they could, meant they could uh, move quicker, I think, um, uh, and st- stuff like that. So there's obviously there's all that sort of stuff to manage. And XCOM was actually a game that I didn't play back when it orig- originally came out. But going back to Syndicate now, having played the recent XCOM, uh, I was surprised by how similar it felt in terms of be- it being mm. a, a four as opposed to six in XCOM uh, man squad. And you, it's not as tactical, but it certainly has all of that sort of management of resources and uh, almost as much micromanagement on the battlefield as, as you wanted. Um yeah, it definitely had that kind of feel to it, so that's probably a good touchstone for anyone who's currently playing XCOM and didn't play Syndicate back in the day. 
So yeah, I'd, I would say it's certainly worth checking out on YouTube videos if you've got the time and, and check out the game via Good Old Games. Um, I believe I believe it actually was in the sale today. It went up for like one pound ninety five or something like that. So uh, relatively cheap and, and probably the best way to play it because I, I imagine on modern day PCs that's probably going to be quite hard to run if you had the original discs. So. Right, so let's move on to the main game on this show, which is Syndicate, but the 2012 edition. Bit controversial, wasn't it? With the uh, when it first got announced, it was sort mm. of announced what not very long before the game actually came out. Uh, yeah, it was quite late. I, I think everyone was surprised to see Syndicate come back, uh, and even more surprised to see it come back in the form of a first-person shooter, which is the obvious choice for EA to make a game in. Like you know, <laughs> oh, let's make a game in 2012. What do we make it? A uh, first-person shooter. Um, obviously, very scared of the isometric term. You know, sort of. You know, not turn-based. A real-time strategy type game of previous years mm. uh yeah but i must admit right despite all the dubstep and all that on the trailers and people falling off of ledges and smashing their faces in on the floor which is all I, this is all i remember seeing from the trailers was just people getting their faces caved in by falling off of ledges i was still quite excited about it and not because it was a syndicate game but because it was a starbreeze game um big fan mm. of starbreeze and yeah i was i was definitely chomping at the bit to get hold of this it was weird though because there was it was only six months between them announcing it and the game actually hitting store shelves, mm-hmm. which for this industry is you know outside of iOS releases um, or you know some PC titles for a major AAA release, which I think uh, EA were were you know, positioning this game as. Um, you know, six months is nothing because normally you you expect the you know the the talk about it you know the gameplay um demonstrations and stuff over the, you know, at least you know 12 to 18 months seems to be the norm nowadays mm. so six months seemed relatively short um the game came out in february this year so our history of the game may be well i you know i played it in february this year but um there was a a multiplayer demo that came out previously before the game was released in, in february uh, and that's something i wanted to touch on because that's something i played a fair bit along with carl so, Cole, we played the multiplayer demo. We liked it, didn't we? Yeah, it was it was interesting because when they when they announced Syndicate, they were very quick to show you stuff from the single player game, and the majority of the focus was all four player co op and so on and so forth, um, which which was kind of surprising. And then obviously they pushed that forward as the demo, so we thought we'd jump in and. With it being a, a wonderful year game, there was obviously server issues, so we kept getting Terrible dropped out of games, yeah. uh, or it would hang, or someone would crash. Um, mm. That that was obviously the, the favourite one was you know one person locks up and starts sort of jigging around. Um, but despite the the flaws in in the EA servers, I really enjoyed it. It was different enough that it stood out from other co-op games in the crowd but not so different that it was wasn't you know inviting um there were clearly challenges there the combat was tough um it was actually pretty brutal on in, in terms of difficulty because you know me and me and tony being the way we are we thought we'll, we'll jump in on the you know hardest difficulty um that didn't last long so we knocked it down we thought <laughs> okay we'll go we'll go on normal it wasn't having any of that either um and that's where we sort of quickly learned that the sort of embraced a structure uh an, an upgrade structure which was in the earlier syndicate games as james mentioned and that without correct well not necessarily correctly leveling it up but without leveling up a character at all you were going to find the tougher difficulties nigh on impossible 
Um, and the more gradually you and your friends, because obviously it's a four-player co-op, the more gradually you all upgraded. It was quite subtle, but the game started to become easier and easier and easier, and then you'd go up another level and you, the challenge would come back out again. And and it, it felt fresh and original. Um, it's always difficult, I think, when people um, release multiplayer demos because... Not everybody has the ability to to get a group of people down and you know on their friends list and and get a four player session of whatever game whatever multiplayer demo they're throwing out there. Um, quite often, I've I've seen many other multiplayer demos which you know, I'm not really been interested in the title per se, and then not tried it because I'm like, well, that's pretty exclusionary. I just want to you know experiment with your game. I don't really feel like I need to have to interact with people. Certainly, if it's not. Um, they don't allow friends. Some they just throw you straight into their you know, form of a rank match. And you're like, uh, um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. You die almost instantaneously, and then that's that, and you kind of put it down. So I think it's dangerous releasing multiplayer demos. But when I think when it comes to co-op, it's it's slightly easier um, or slightly more forgiving on the player. So yeah, I mean, my initial impressions were apart from that, it, it was terrible the way that it would. Uh, log out every five minutes or somebody would drop out the game and first impressions weren't great but there seemed to be something unique there and it would make me interested enough to want to buy the game but actually for the single player i didn't <laughs> i was gonna sound bad but I, did, I didn't really care at all um i really enjoyed the multiplayer and i was thinking oh i want to i want to play that but i have you know I've, i looked a little bit into single player and and because i had the ties to syndicate the name from back in you know way back in '93 on the Amiga, what I saw in the single player really didn't do anything for me, so I was a bit I was quite dismissive of that. But thinking, well, I'll play the multiplayer and eventually I'll get there. Now that didn't happen for me straight away anyway, because you know when you you're looking at playing a four-player multiplayer game, you need four other or well, three other people to to buy it, and you know because of the 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 you know the lagging out issues and the disconnections through the EA servers nobody seemed to be willing to put 40 pound down on the day to actually you know give it to EA and and experiment to see whether they fixed the problems day one um so i think we played this actually only a few months ago it was about f- three or four months ago wasn't it i think yeah. we we finally all picked it up and by which time it was about it was 15 tw- to 20, 20 pounds. Yeah. yeah we'd all agreed sort of that we were all going to eventually take the plunge mm. um which again rounds up on the fact that we really sort of had an enjoyment for the co-op that none of us had sort of rushed out and gone i'm going to buy this and play the single player and wait it was a case of you know we'll all get it together and play it mm. darren you played this on pc didn't you i played the yeah i bought the game on the pc uh, i did try the multiplayer demo on the xbox 360 and was very impressed despite lag issues uh i really liked how the game felt it had its own distinct vibe um like that the hud was very prominent on the screen when you when you first jump in you're like oh god there's stuff everywhere and <laughs> the demo didn't really give uh, give you a good indication of what to do with these things because obviously it's a it's a chunk from the game and it really is it, the opposite isn't it of what games are going for in trying to remove mm. the the hud this one's like ah oh, we're going to give you everything and it's all the hud's going to wobble yeah, yeah. the hud's going to wobble massively it's going to make <laughs> you feel like you're in this guy's you know skull basically and yeah i was sort of slowly getting my head around it all like you know breaching 
people's faces off to make sure they they kill themselves and sneaking behind the the big sort of sergeant I can't remember what they're called the colonels or the sergeants the big guys you snuck up mm-hmm. behind them to take them down because their armour was up yeah. and I think it was me Combine Hunter Joshua Garrity uh, Jerome McIntosh and someone else sorry <laughs> um, yeah we had a really good time playing it and eventually we all lagged out and was like you know what the, the, for a demo like demos are usually rubbish uh, this was this was a good demo and it yeah. further cemented my opinion that I wanted to play, I wanted to play this game um now, whether I played co-op after that is a different story altogether, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. It is um, worth saying about uh, when, when the game was announced, uh, we'd already had the the XCOM reboot announced and the first-person shooter aspect be shown, and I think 2K were kind of surprised at the negative reaction and then the extreme positive reaction that the the uh, turn-based strategy XCOM uh, that Firaxis were working on was announced. Um, and then when syndicate was announced sort of not far off not too far but uh before this time last year um hmm. it i think got much of the same uh I th- there's several people that we frequently speak to on on twitter and and the like that had a, an extreme negative reaction because the syndicate they remembered wasn't this um and to, to that end, I guess the question is, why does it need to be a syndicate game um, at all? If, if it's going to be a first-person shooter, what makes it syndicate? But I was always interested by the fact that, as as you said, um, Darren, it's a Starbreeze game. And, and Starbreeze seemed to have looked at all the different properties that the EA had. And instead of doing Darkness 2 decided syndicate was the game they wanted to make which was hmm. that was really interesting to me that um uh, a company that had made uh, the riddick games and then darkness decided that syndicate was where they wanted to go and this was how they wanted to do it yeah so obviously ea had a, had the license and they, they were looking for somebody to do it and i i don't know why starbreeze decided to pick this up because we're fine you know we'll talk about many of the aspects in the minute in the, in the single player but a lot of what they're famous for in those games seem to be completely absent from this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, at times it feels like any this could be a game from any studio, not from Starbreeze Studios. So it's, I mean, having read a number of uh, interviews and articles, and they're, they're actually quite apologetic, it seems, mm. in some of their interviews about how this game turned out. But they seem very committed this was what they wanted to make. Um, and that it, you know it wasn't interfering from EA in any way. It was just you know this was the game and it, and it didn't click with with people. So, um, but like I said, we'll we're, we're talk more. I think we'll probably talk more about um, visiting older franchises with newer titles that bear very little resemblance to what um, what the name would stake would suggest. So, mm-hmm. but like you say, I think XCOM. It, it's weird because we've we've had XCOM come out and it's been a commercial success, I believe. Yeah. Um, certainly been a critical success and i wonder if if ea had waited another couple of years and seen you know xcom you know do so well in 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 the marketplace whether they would have decided to to bring syndicate out as a as a first person shooter or actually kind of explored the roots of syndicate as a a, you know real time Mm. um tactical game again i think think it's kind of funny that you mentioned how they've drawn reference that there was you know, quote unquote, no interference from EA, which is, you know, a quote we've heard attributed to there was no interference from Activision, there was no interference from Take Two. It, I'm it, sure it's a stock it's reference, yes. Exactly. And I find it, they, once the game was announced and people jumped on it, 
that this isn't syndicate, this isn't the syndicate we want. There was a whole sort of listen to us mentality from the the public. And instead of, you know, stepping back, they almost came back over the top and were like, we'll prove that we're right to do this. It was always going to be an FPS, which is obviously the quote that most people remember and that threw out developer diaries and everything. And they were determined that they were going to push that what they were doing was the right way to handle this franchise. And it comes across that a studio as slick as Starbreeze, I mean, they competed against the best first-person shooters on the Xbox and probably created the second best in the Riddick, in Escape from Butcher Bay, after, obviously, the Halo titles. And then in this generation, they released The Darkness and... Again, they clearly had an element of creative freedom. And the only thing that oozes Starbreeze about this game is the interface and the mm. menu stylings. I, yeah. th- there's a feeling that this was a bit, you know, the blind leading the blind, and they were almost obliged to follow. Well, you certainly hear of trouble development. Um, the fact that there was... I believe that this this project was almost was cancelled and kind of re-lit re again. And then, you know, so... It obviously had a rocky road out, and the fact there was only six months between it being announced and its its later release it would indicate that yeah, EA weren't a hundred percent confirmed what they were putting out for general public was exactly what they wanted, or yeah. whether they thought it was actually going to hit. By by which time they'd already sunk the money in. But um, I mean, a lot of that is speculation. But then that's the interesting thing because. Fair enough, we, we can say, oh, maybe Starbreeze were sort of pushed in the direction of a first-person shooter, but nothing about their history would indicate that they would have done anything but this kind of game with the Syndicate mm-hmm. license. That's the t- sort of game they have... Uh, that's what we think of them for. Uh, not necessarily in terms of balance between story and gameplay and the mechanic side of things and that uh, and that aspect, but in terms of would Starbreeze have been the studio to make... Uh, a real-time strategy I know, I don't think they were. It might have been interesting to see them try something completely different, but we've not seen anything in their history to suggest that they wanted to do anything with this other than the first-person shooter. And at the same time, I don't think there's... There's anything wrong with um, you know, a publisher or somebody with that, you know, with a, an IP that belongs to them, experimenting with that title. I mean, I understand that the uproar from a lot of fans of the original Syndicate game wanted a real-time tactical game again. But mm. you know, if if you're someone like Ian, and you're looking at a modern-day marketplace and, you, and you're seeing those types of games not succeeding in the amount that they probably wished Syndicate mm. would would have succeeded. I think you know they they went well. We have this license, and and what can we draw from it? What elements can we take from it? Um, so I've got nothing. There's you know, always doubt, isn't there, that you're going to be able to release a game like that on the console? We we know EA's target area is consoles. That's where they're going to push it, and they obviously didn't feel they could sell a strategy game. Which you know maybe you should have a bit more confidence. But it's quite funny because we know that they were drawing on the Syndicate name, but it didn't seem to cross the mind that. The syndicate name only means something to the people who don't want another first-person shooter, um, yeah. and I don't necessarily understand who they felt they were going to sell a syndicate game to. They, they, the, those people never wanted this. They weren't going to suddenly go, oh, "I'll buy it just because it's syndicate." That is an issue because when you you think of Syndicate, it's it's through a, an older generation of gamers that knew exactly what Syndicate was. You haven't got a, the new generation of gamers that have been 
bred on first-person shooters, having any idea really what Syndicate was, its legacy of you know what it created, Bullfrog mm. Productions, and the legacy of them. So, like, I agree with what you're saying, Carl. It, it's an odd name to to want to bring back and change its genre entirety. But you know, they did lean on you know, uh, at least artistically on some of the elements of what made Syndicate interesting. So you know, clearly they were taking um, some elements from it, even if it wasn't from the gameplay element. Standpoint and, of and of course, the original Syndicate was had Peter Molyneux quite famously mm-hmm. at the helm. Mm-hmm. And although we can be quite critical of what he's done, or you know, I don't think we can knock what he's tried more. Maybe what was completed of all the games he's ever worked on, he quite famously said that if he could revisit and do anything for the modern, you know, marketplace, it would be a Syndicate game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he said it was always going to be difficult with licensing issues, and obviously there was the they've been quite negative on the EA takeover of that of franchise. So it's a shame because maybe we'd had more familiarity with what made the game great if somehow Peter Molyneux was able to sort of get in that. Well, let's stop thinking what could have been let's concentrate on what is here what is now what was syndicate when it was yeah made into a 2012 first person shooters did it deliver on some of the original aspects of the game or did it just kind of dwindle so aesthetically i, I want to go back to the aesthetics because um i think if anything actually crossed over from the original syndicate i think they did a fairly decent job on the look of this game um it's got a, a real cold, clean look to it. There's there's lots of blue hues and, um, like I said, the cyberpunk aspects are still there. Uh, you traverse high rises in the city. Um, there's lots of you know, video screens showing adverts for stuff that they wish you to buy. Certainly in this dark chip um, environment, you know, you're almost pumping directly into your brain. It feels, um, you know, and I think it is in many respects. I think Starbreeze are a great. Uh, um, producing you know, fantastic looking games um, and I, I don't think they, Syndicate itself is no slouch in that department it, and even on the 360 it's it's really, I feel like it's kicking above its weight. Now I, I really really like the the, the, the art style of um, of Syndicate, graphically it's, it's quite impressive but it's the art style that really got me uh, I, at first, when I first played the demo which is quite grey if I remember rightly it was a bit greyish, you know, running through corridors and stuff <laughs> but the single player really bloomed with primary colours that I weren't expecting uh, mm-hmm. like there's some areas where there's a it's just bright pink I remember just opening up into this like, sort of like a well an open area basically get, getting shot by a helicopter you know very cliche for a first person shooter to let you do that but it was sort of really bright blue in some corners and bright red and then bright pink and I just didn't expect that especially from a Starbreeze game which are famously all about the darkness and you know shooting out the lights and running behind crates and you know jacking people in the throat with a screwdriver it was quite refreshing to see that from Starbreeze uh, I do really like Starbreeze's approach to first person where they they make you feel like you're in the body of the character by the sort of like the momentum and the inertia of the body that you're in it makes you feel like you're actually there and that's why mm-hmm. I like Starbreeze games because like they make you feel immersed inside this you know this well I don't know I've forgotten the guy's name actually which <laughs> probably t- says what I think about the story um, but yeah uh, my, yeah, my story, yeah <laughs> Miles Kilo. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, I do think Syndicate is a, a very impressive looking game. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, um, Darren. 
the the feeling that they put across in all of their games when you are under fire or being chased or trying to get to safety of that slightly being out of control and panicked and you really for some reason i think it's probably the way the camera moves um Mm -hmm. you do feel it and as you were saying with the hud the fact that the hud moves with you and wobbles a little bit really gives you the impression that this isn't just something that's stuck in front of you it's actually something that's been projected into your brain by the chip that you've got um and the fact that it it blurs from time to time when there's interference and stuff like that um really nice touches and like you when i think of starbreeze i think of the light and dark mechanics and in this game free from that if you like there's there's no light dark mechanic at all um they really went to town on the way it looks um Mm. before we started the show i compared it to mirror's edge um and that's a, a good touchstone for me for how bright this looks and there's a lot of sort of clean straight lines about the environment similar to mirror's edge but when you're on top of some of the buildings and sort of um some of the sort of giant glass windows that are around you and really sort of sort of futuristic but not distantly so um aesthetic and way things look when you're in a shopping center or or you know that kind of thing it it really it does look quite stunning um both from the design and and graphically it's uh, really impressive that they've managed to make a game that looks this good on the xbox 360 i think syndicate is a perfect example of why a company like starbreeze studios will always have a place of work for a publisher because they have the ability to take a game in you know any, any necessary setting and impose their own style on it where be it the menu system of which you know syndicate has a pretty slick menu system um and the you know the the hood the wall the, the textures on the walls the lighting it's clear to anybody who you know knows games that that is a starbreeze game and i think if you i mean we come across as you know maybe being overly critical already on this game but Go out and read. If anyone wants to go out and read some reviews, you'll see that there were quite some positive reviews, and every single review, critical or not, drew praise on the aesthetic styles that Starbreeze put in their game. So there's no doubt that that's where it shines. As Darren mentioned, the, the light bloom effects are rather wonderful. It sort of romanticizes mm-hmm. the whole sci fi thing that we've seen years gone by in the movies. You know, the, the horizontal light beams that something like Mass Effect will do, or in the movies, Blade Runner is an obvious example um it, it is really wonderful um and it, and it keeps a consistent level of believability throughout the whole campaign which you know is, is something that would have been maybe quite easy to fall away from and it it, it adds some nice features with you know the, the collectibles there's a there's a level of collectibles in there of which one is propaganda posters where you know, you see them and they blend into the environment, but you use your dart chip and see the alternate thing, and you suddenly view in hidden messages. Which I know James mentioned at the start. There's there's an element of 1984 in there, and mm-hmm. it that's exactly how I felt playing it. The, there is a real Big Brother element to it all, um, and that side of things is utterly wonderful about the game. Yeah, the, the characters are, are really well defined. Um, not necessarily <laughs> story wise, but um, certainly in their looks, the, the facial animation is great. Mm. Some actually reasonable voice voice work done in there. There's a lot of you know, um, for instance, there's a couple of scenes where like a shard of glass goes into the the, you know, the main guy's arm, and you're having to pull it out, and it feels all very much like it's in body. Um, you know, jumping from 
areas and people grabbing you at the last minute bits like that all work really really well so it, for that point of view it actually feels very much like a Starbreeze game because they're fantastic at actually making you feel like you're inside somebody's head rather than just you know moving around an avatar with a gun uh, and there is a lot of guns in this um, another point point of reference as well is um, the sound design in this is phenomenal um, lots of I feel like there's lots of little bits of EA from lots of little bits of games here. I think Mirror's Edge is a, is a, a touchstone we've hit already, but also feel like um, Battlefield is another touchstone we yeah. could hit because it's got that kind of vaulting mechanic that is is uh, great in Battlefield, but also the sound from the guns seem to have transplanted over into this title as well because that that's I think what they what they must have done is just turn the base of it, all the guns up to a very high notch I'm not going to say 11 because that's a crap (laughs) (laughs) crap soundbite but they certainly have turned the guns up very high Um, so a lot of the guns have the the ability of single or multiple shot modes or um, you know you can fire grenades from the bottom Uh, there's a few crossovers from the original game so is it I think it's the grass gas gun the grass gun gauss rifle oh gauss gun um most slightly different in from uh, in the 1993 version, but in this one it, you can lock onto people and it, it fires um, almost like electric electrical darts yeah. around corners and stuff. Um, as long as you're, they're not necessarily hiding behind cover where it can't get around. Um, but yeah, it's it's so impactful and so immersive in in that degree that um, you forget. <laughs> how how high that maybe you had the volume turned up this is the first game of, I've lived in this house for seven years and this is the first game where my next door neighbour actually knocked on my door and said um, is there something up with your boiler because all I can hear is bang 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 <laughs> bang 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 and he thought my boilers and his pipes were banging on the wall and it wasn't it was just me firing single yeah. shots from my gun far too late at night and I had it probably a bit too loud but um, yeah I, I really really like how the weapons and how the characters and all that stuff sounds it is yeah. strange it is one of those games where you do actually have to adjust your own volume level mm. from normal playing conditions to something a little lower because the, the you know the, the vibrancy of the, the gunshots are just absolutely incredible um, again sort of putting you back into that, that character that you are right there in the action um, I would go as far as to say that you know uh, it goes maybe a bit too far on some of the guns I mean <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're sort of running at an enemy and firing the shotgun it's frighteningly loud, um, mm. and it muffles any other sound in the game. It, it, it's such a strange thing that they've clearly put the levels up on the guns. Um, it certainly gives it its own style, I guess, but it's maybe a little awkward. But then I would I would say, never having been in a battle, never having fired a gun in someone's face, obviously, um, it 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 really sort of impresses upon you the fact that you are running headlong at someone with a shotgun about to take their head off because it sounds like it and you know you hear people talk about gunshots and actually having a ringing in their ears and and that lasting for hours or even days afterwards and i think the punch that they put into the sounds especially for the weapons but generally just for the the sound design throughout the game is really really great it really it it gives an immediacy to the especially when we're in co-op as well it gives an immediacy to it because everything's so loud and if you feel the urgency for some reason that seems to go hand in hand 
it just makes the whole combat feel a bit more like frenetic. Is that the right yeah, word? Like yeah, it makes it feel really intense and mm-hmm. aggressive, and uh, you know, it's because you are firing guns in people's faces. Uh, there's it's quite a cliche to put a nightclub in a game, especially a first-person shooter, because. You know, it's quite cool to have booming music and firing guns. But in Syndicate, there's there's a great... I think it's Mission 3. There's a great nightclub scene where you're just bowling down a lift and you can hear the music from a little way off and obviously it gets... The closer you get, the louder it gets. Uh, but when you start fighting in this nightclub when everyone's, you know, running around like a crazy person, it's just... It's really beautiful to look at. It's purple, it's pink, it's smoky and the music's, like, kicking off and all your guns are just booming. Like, grenades are coming in and all the guns are booming at each other. Uh, a high point for that game for me was that nightclub scene and um, if people think this game looks generic and bland and isn't fun to look at or, or listen to I urge to do a do YouTube search for a, a Let's Play of Syndicate and just check out that mission because it, it's like I say it's probably the pinnacle of the, of the actual game for me it's worth saying that um, a, a lot of games use dubstep, particularly in the marketing. And something like a Battlefield, as we've mentioned, might use a lot of dubstep in the marketing. But then when you get into the game, it doesn't really fit a military shooter. And racing games obviously get away with it because um, there's a certain affinity between that sort of electronic music and, and yeah. the that sort of man-made side to cars and, and racing and that sort of thing. But in this game it really does kind of fit because the the hmm. guns are so incredibly loud and so bassy already that it feels like they're punctuating a soundtrack that needs to be equally bassy and so the fact that it's at several points in the game there's there's dubstep used um, quite heavily uh, kind of makes sense. It wouldn't be a game of 2012 if it didn't have dubstep <laughs> somewhere in it. The legacy I think that maybe you know, generations won't thank us for. But Possibly hey. not. <laughs> fantastic it sounds fantastic but what do you actually do in these environments you shoot people in the head (laughs) basically i mean yeah um we've talked about feeling like the character you play um the character you play is uh an agent for uh eurocorp um called miles kilo 
and so the idea is that by uh, 2017 um, the world and the way it works particularly in terms of business uh, starts to change and we already have multinational corporations uh, and and conglomerates but uh, the the point that uh, certainly corresponds to us talking about 1984 is that um, at, at some point uh, in the games fiction in about five years time uh, multinational mega conglomerate and mega corporations uh, start becoming a thing where these these companies um, although in the game you see a lot of their sort of weapons manufacturer and, and espionage tactics um, they actually produce everything that we need or buy or use in our in our lives so they make pharmaceuticals is a big area that they're involved in um but food manufacture uh clothing and and you know anything you would buy along the high street um so they literally control in that sense sort of every aspect of of so, our lives so you either decide that you're going to sell your life over to tesco sainsbury's asda walmart you pick one of those sides and that's who you stick with. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, it gets to the point where uh, in in the game they have manufactured chips that can go into your head and now these chips mm-hmm. allow you to interface uh, in terms of communication and, and in all sorts of different ways. Um, but also, uh, as Carl mentioned, these chips allow you to access advertising and information as you're walking through, be it a, a shopping centre or uh, just going to the train, anything like that. And the companies who make the chips also want to sell you all this other stuff. So naturally, a bit like advertising on the internet, um, you you end up buying into them controlling as much of you as, as they want, really. Um, so that, that's and the they- idea behind it. That's the dystopia that the uh, syndicate... Uh, proffers uh, at the beginning of the game the the idea being that they also employ agents with uh, militarized chips um, to commit espionage and to take out uh, undesirable people and do all of the sort of the wet work and and undercover and top secret work that well, it becomes the, the, a gang mentality yeah, doesn't it between the organizations yeah, and very much like in 1984, where you've got the the different uh, co- well continents. Really, they're not countries, but the different uh, organisations running the continents that are vying uh, between one another for for power. Um, you've got these mega conglomerates who essentially own territories and are battling between one another for domination across you know large large land masses. So the way that portrays itself to what you're doing in the game is that you are one of these agents um you have the latest prototype dart 6 chip installed in your head which very few people have but you know this is a chip that can seem to access anything in in all the environment so um you you gain this ability to uh it's it's called breach within the game but um for instance, there's one or two things you can do. Um, in the single player, in particularly, you have three moves. Um, you have the breach, which is just normal accessing of, of turrets and stuff. So you can hack into a turret, um, turn that turret around. So then, it, instead of you being its its enemy, you can turn it around. So you're the now its ally, and the the people that, that were its allies are now its uh, enemies. Um, you have persuade, which um, you can then hack into other people's chips, other agents' chips, or other um, 
just Joe Joe blogs cops in these environments <laughs> uh, hack into their chips and you can persuade them then to become somebody on your side and they can start to shoot and take down uh, enemies of yeah. that you're after um, you have a suicide ability which you hack into their brain once again and um, you tell them yes what you desperately need to do is pull out a gun blow your head off or pull out a grenade and blow everybody else around you um, I think that's all you get in the single player isn't it yeah that's it yeah, those three. Um, yeah, as you say, breach is just a synonym for hacking, uh, and, and yeah. so that's not just uh, individuals, um, it, but it's also, I mean, opening doors, anything like that. You to often, you know, often you're you're breaching just to move the story forward because you're opening a door that is blocking your progress. So that's sort of the the bread and butter of it is to to breach. That's the basic ability. So you're tasked to infiltrate other agencies by. Jack Denham, um, voiced by Brian Cox, and excellently so, I have to say. Instantaneously, I was like, that, Brian, that is Brian Cox. Yeah. Um, and so it leaves you in little doubt when you start the story that you are working for a corporation that is morally compromised, that is going to use you in ways that you may not be necessarily comfortable with. You are just an agent to him. Um, you also join up with a guy called Jules Merritt, who becomes somewhat of a, a psychic. Not a particularly nice man, it has to be said, but a, another fellow agent. And uh, another person that rounds off the trio of people is a woman called Lily Draw, um, who's the scientist that has developed the Dartsitch chip. Um, she's the one that interacts with all the, the agents. Uh, she believes she's doing good. Uh, for society and she doesn't really understand what her chips are being used for I believe um, so that's the, the basic outline of the story and this story then you know, pushes you through what becomes pretty generic uh, shooting gameplay with um, the ability to use like I say the, the breach, the persuade and the suicide mechanics um, there's a plot that involves uh, Lily Wall being uh, kidnapped um, she could be working for the other side um, Anybody else want to fill in some gaps, <laughs> blanks in my mind? It it starts and you believe that she's been kidnapped, and she and she has. She's been kidnapped by Cayman Global, and you, your job is to travel over to the Cayman Global headquarters and you know get her back. Um, and you get there and you realise that there's a scientist on their side working who works on their chip department, is in communication with her, and he he he's been warned by Lily Droll that people are going to come for him. Um, and and it goes sort of back and forth that way for a while, and you realise that outside of the company, she's actually been working with sort of the the top technical people from each syndicate in a bid to sort of bring the syndicates down and bring an element of normality back to and, and power back to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not entirely sure whether what you're doing is right or wrong because you know you have no memory since before you were a, uh, an agent, and it's made you know clear by Lily herself that um, your, your memories have been erased and everything you think you remember has sort of been put in by Jack Denham, and you start to get flashbacks of uh, your, your parents getting killed and yeah. you being pulled out as a baby and sort of held. As uh, held by Jack Denham himself, and he's you know he, he you've got great genetics, and you're going to be his star agent, and so on and so forth. It's it's nothing we've not seen before, um, delivered in a way that we've you know seen done better, uh, and I think that's well, maybe the biggest share. 
So I, I'll retract that. I was a little harsh, actually. The, the story itself is written by a guy called Richard K. Morgan, um, who's actually wrote a, a cyberpunk series um, back in the, the early 90s called the Takashi Kovacs novels, um, Altered Carbon, Broken Angels, and, and Woken Fly, actually quite highly regarded novels. Um, he's done some um, Marvel graphic uh, novels as well called Black Widow Homecoming and Black Widow, things they say about her. But I boast that the most relevant to, to gaming, he, he actually penned the, the 2011 release of Crisis 2 for EA, um, which I actually thought was a, a relatively good story. Um, so... It's it's not necessarily that, that there is nothing here within the story. Like um, you know, we played that little intro earlier, uh, and within that, there's there's this bigger story about the global organisation yep. becoming too powerful, about the rest of um, you know civilization. If you haven't got the money, being locked out. If you don't have these ships, being locked out from society. So there's this underbelly of you know criminality that's you know underneath the underneath the skyscrapers so um there's a couple of times you 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 wander down into the slums in the game and you see a different side from this you know bright you know beautiful uh, i was about to say beautiful dystopia but that's a really <laughs> that's not good um bright and beautiful environments up top and you go down the below and the, of course it's the the old trash can with burning fires and yeah. you know it's not a particularly nice place and homeless people and, and people struggling the unempowered for, bums of the city that you yeah. know essentially you realize that lily's trying to give them some semblance of power back in the world because yeah. they're almost the forgotten man by the you know rise of technology uh, and like you say, Cole, there, there's um, you know there's an, a, a story element where you actually find out who who you are. Um, you know, you, you realise that your family have been killed by um, Brian Cox, no Jack Jack Denham. <laughs> um, the whole um, thing circling around Lee Drawl about her you know which side is she on and, and what's she actually really up to and you know she seems to be a, you know part of this the you know, part of everything including the rebel organization to kind of over overturn both these syndicates so there's story elements there and there's enough to keep you interested but you know back to the what we we're talking about if i had to compare it to anything it feels very much like mirror's edge which is there's aspects there there's bits of story there but it's not delivered in a, a cohesive enough way for the player to actually really. Um, what word am I looking for? There's no investment. Is is the issue? I think um, Carl really actually eloquently put put forward a lot of the setup and then follow through on the story. The problem is that. The story, the backdrop is good. There's a lot there to do with it, but you don't feel it. Even when you go down to the slums, you never really get the feeling that there's this aspect of society who are being mm-hmm. cut off. Um, and a game that was released uh, fairly recently and has a similar backdrop and is also a cy- cyberpunk game is Deus Ex Human Revolution. And the thing that it did do, and, and in in certain instances it didn't do it terribly well, but it did allow you to explore some of the areas where the less well-off are living and see the the difference between where you're living and where your corporation is and all all the luxuries that are afforded you and and people like you and then to see the squalor that some of the people who are affected by the gangs live in and again it it wasn't done brilliantly but being allowed the time as a player to do that really makes a difference i think and in this game it's so focused on the next group of people you have to shoot it doesn't Mm -hmm. take the time to let you explore the world and to let you understand the story and actually 
think about what's going on. It's just literally one fight to the next, and each chapter. It, it seems odd to say it felt rushed, but it, it sort of it needs in the story needed some some space to breathe. I think it's um, like you feel that there's a story there. Yeah, and and perhaps you know looking at the original draft a very good story at that but the implementation of it and it's you drew you know the point that these people in the slums you never feel invested and the game makes it quite clear that these people who are unchipped or the people who are enemies are incredibly expendable in fact you actually have the option to execute for no reason whatsoever any non-chipped civilian person living in this world and there's, there's, there's a scene that kind of shocked me and I'm no prude to games and I haven't got a problem with you know the 99.9% of things in games but there's a scene where you get on a train with your, your sort of your opposite agent who's you know by your side partner and for seemingly no reason whatsoever he walks down this train and executes every civilian in the face for no reason uh, and you sort of take the train control and you go forwards and then when you walk back through the train you realise that all the civilians have been gassed anyway because that's a security measure which made me wonder why they made it that you had to shoot everyone in the face I mean it, it was redundant it, it was cheap and, and redundant the idea was to show you that um, Jules Merritt the guy you're working with and apparently aspiring to up to this point um He's just been injured. He's making his way with you to the front of the train, and he just starts shooting people who are screaming and running and trying to get away. Uh, and he's doing it all the while throwing out. I, I seem to remember he's quipping and he's talking to you. making yeah, yeah. sort of sarcastic comments about it. And the idea is to show that he is not a nice guy. Well, there's there's smarter ways to do that. It doesn't need to be anything so blatant. And uh, as you say, Carl. Well, I, I suppose showing that he didn't need to do it, but he took such relish in doing it is just further indictment of the character who is supposed to be despicable, but it it felt a very cheap and rushed way to do it. There's there's ways to take your time and to reveal that slowly. Or I, I never thought I would actually say this, but I felt that the, the terrorist mission in Modern Warfare 2 handled mm. it better than this game <laughs> yeah, did. It was a lot better handled, yeah. I think a lot of the problem that comes as well, because the, the person you're playing, Milo's... Ki- Milo- Miles. Milo's Kilo... Is in some respects he's almost a Gordon Freeman character. Yeah. He's quiet. He's silent. You know, he doesn't talk. So, but you have no idea who he is. You have no idea if these people in the slums deserve what they're they're getting. You don't know. You know. I, I guess the idea is that you're, you're not meant to know if you're working for which side you're working on. But neither do you really care which side you're working on because the story's not told in in a good enough way for you to really. Um, embed into any of these characters or their, you know, any of the, the size that they're taking you feel like you know well I'm just I'm just a person a vessel with a gun uh, I could be anybody in this environment it doesn't matter who I am I somehow just seem to be caught up amongst these people and there seems to be little importance to who you are here although you, clearly you are very good with the tools that you are given it, it feels like they're putting you in a morally dubious situation but giving you absolutely no agency over what you do in that situation there's no choice you you just continue forward and and complete the mission um and the the character which is the second point is really oddly for a starbreeze game because if i think about starbreeze you know riddick and um and then again in the darkness um they created 
really memorable characters and not just mm-hmm. the ones you saw around you but the character you were playing you knew who they were you you got into the mindset of what would they do in this situation and with Miles Kilo it wasn't about what he would do because he was a nothing he had no memories and was just a nobody and they also didn't allow you to to take any control over what you would do so it just seems like there was nothing there as far as he was concerned and there was no there was no balance by sort of external characters either in that regard it's you know in escape from butcher uh, butcher bay you had some great interaction with the prisoners yeah. that you know would draw your yeah. attention and in the in the darkness you got one of the greatest entries uh, of an external character i've ever experienced in jenny which you know grounds yeah. you to the world and gives you a side to fight on in yeah. this game there's Nothing like that. You, right from the start, we mentioned it, it's made very clear that uh, Brian Cox is villainous. You, you don't like the agent you work with. The woman that you're saving in Lily Drawl, you don't know what side she's on, and by the point you find out, you're beyond caring because all it's been at that point is, you know, yeah. a search and rescue mission to mission looking for her and by that point there's there's no other characters left because the enemies are you know and, and if there's ever going to be a, a drinking word from this point on it's going to be generic um the enemies are so sort of generic and mundane that there's nothing to sort of ground you to a point in this yeah. game that the only challenge is getting from the start to the end because there's there's nothing you feel yourself oh, everybody's unlikable for. that's the problem yeah yeah there's nobody to root for. I mean, may, it may be that's something they were going for, that this is a situation where, you know, it's completely ambiguous. There is no side, you know, all the corporations will eventually take over anyway. So, you know, even if you destroy this one, there will be another one to take its place. I mean, but it, it never feels like it's aiming for anything to be that ambitious. It seems like you should be attached to um, Lee Dwan. Fucking hell, Lee Dwan. <laughs> it feels like you should be attached to Lee Dwan. Um, but... She, her character just isn't strong enough to pull the entire game through. Um, so, to to me, it seemed to be that the story was a, there was a, an element of a really interesting story there, and it was it was just it was never. Um, it just wasn't presented in a way that allowed you to to care is is the most you know pertinent word i think uh, there's just nothing inviting you into the story in in the way that we have seen first person shooters able to do um they're, they're able and that's the beauty of a first person mm-hmm. shooter is it is you playing that character so you can invest yourself in them you can put the, yourself in their shoes and in this case there's just nothing inviting you to do that as a player i don't think uh, let's say if it was an interesting story to be involved with and it pulled me through um, that it need it didn't have the the Star Breeze world design of do a lot of shooting and then have some sort of the you know like the hub worlds from the darkness and and really it, it needed those bits to make you understand the world and be a part of it because you're literally just running through these environments mm-hmm. just shooting people everywhere everywhere you're shooting everyone and when it comes to the cutscenes you're so sort of sort of yeah exhausted from all the shooting you don't really want to take in a lot of story there, there needed to be a bit more downtime like in the darkness and riddick where you're just like right now it's a bit of me time 
And, you know, maybe Miles Keeler isn't an interesting character, so maybe that's why they pulled those bits out, because maybe there's nothing to do. But then I'd argue, why don't you make him... You know, he's, he's a blank slate. Why don't you make him an interesting character? Yeah. So, leaving the story to one side for a second, um, this is where I have the trouble, because I, I, I really like the co-op of this game. Um, and in the single player, they do things slightly different. So it has the, the same basis of what the co-op is, but it strips a lot of that stuff away. As I've talked about before, you have Breach, you have Persuade, and you have Suicide as as your main abilities. This is what this... This is those three things that separates this as a shooter from all the other shooters on the market is that you have this extra layer of stuff that you can do outside mm. of aiming down your iron sights and, and shooting people in the head. You you feel like you have a, a better ability to um, control situations. Like say, if you want to, there's a group of guys standing around, then you can convince one of them to commit suicide with a grenade, and in principle, he can blow three or four people up, saving you the the hassle of actually aiming down those iron sights and taking them down yourself that sounds all well and good and in practice it works to a degree but this is where i think the problem comes when you bring syndicate as a name as a franchise into this because there was lots of things you could do way back in 1993 that you can't do in this game for instance um the persuadatron um was something where you could persuade um people to to join your calls and as we talked earlier fight fight alongside you so every all the all the aspects of this game all the um abilities that you have all seem to be offensive there is no um creativity that can be happening here other than killing so you can't there's there's very little puzzle solving the only puzzle solving really is how can i make this lift come up and down um you know, there isn't a, a case of well, can I move this crane across to here? Can I get onto there? Can I then drop that onto that? Maybe I can make the the environment you know crumble down on top of people. It's all just basically about can I get people to commit suicide? Can I get them to shoot other people for me? Or can I set turrets off to actually shoot people down below? It's all very much offensive and actually very little. Um, I feel like there could be so much more organic use for these abilities than what you've been given. Yeah, I think the way I I put it when we were talking about it previously was it just doesn't feel dynamic at all. It feels like these abilities, um, the fact that you can literally hack into chips in all sorts of things, including your enemies around you, should give you the ability to dynamically change the battlefield. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't. Inevitably, each fight is you go into a room, there's x number of guys more than you could handle with a gun and the abilities are literally just ways to take out two or three of them thin the numbers so that you can kill the rest with a gun um well I, I, but, i'll give you for a, for instance in in the 1993 version um there's an early mission where uh, you have to uh, find one of these kernels and you're given the choice to go in there, shoot him direct. You're given the choice to kind of capture him. You're also given the choice to actually blow blow up his escape vehicle. So as and when he comes up and, and tries to escape yeah. in his escape vehicle, it's not there, and then you can chase him around the map. There's there's you know there's just there's three or four different avenues per mission of what you could do for that one person. Here, none of that stuff exists. It's can you kill that person at the very end? Um, you know, it's not. You know, can I maybe you know take down this camera system and sneak past this set of guards? Maybe I can um, you know open up this this vent system here and you know and, and bypass without having to get into a combat situation. All that stuff like that seems to be completely absent from the single player. Yeah, um, it's 
it's quite hard to compare you know an isometric sort of strategy game to the single player and while they could do those elements of you know oh you you failed to do this so therefore you do this it probably explains why this game was not a rush to market but sort of a, a development of hell game then it was announced and then all of a sudden it was pushed you know it was pushed out six months later it was probably it screams like you know it screams to me that they they had these ideas from previous syndicate games but they couldn't make them work in this but that's, environment that's even riddick though even in riddick you had the ability to to traverse through i mean you traverse through lots of events and stuff in this game but it always ends up you you suddenly meet a group of guards that you need to kill but in, in riddick you could do that traverse through events move around your environment not necessarily engage in combat every single time that you know you you come into the environment yeah and then, and then you start you sort of start straying into the the talk of well did ea pressure them into making a game quicker therefore they couldn't elaborate on these open world sort of like you know missions like oh you know you failed to do this now he's escaping in a van maybe there wasn't time and money to make these yeah. bits and it it sort of shows in the final game that you know they are stitched together via loading screens as opposed to like we said like a sort of a quasi world or a, you know a semi-open world hub yeah I mean, it, it strikes me as very odd that when i think of riddick and um and the darkness i think of excellent stories and and good good level and, and world design um, good characters with mechanics that maybe needed a bit extra polishing, particularly the darkness. Um, and this time around, the odd thing for me is that the gunplay and the the abilities you've got are actually really potentially interesting. It's just what then they do with them in terms of um, the the combat and then obviously the story that's on top of that just isn't interesting at all. It's almost like an anti-Star Breeze game in that respect. I think... I think my lack of uh, a connection between this uh, Syndicate game and the previous ones, because I never really played... I played played Syndicate Wars briefly, like I said, but I never really got into them and understood what they were. I think for me to come in quite fresh into the Syndicate series, and I was like, oh, okay, I can persuade people. Now, to me, that's that's brand new to me. I'm like, oh, okay, I can turn my enemies against my enemies. That's quite cool. Like, you know, Doom-style, very excited about that. Uh, You know, the the suicide and the backfire, which is... I quite like the backfire. You know, they're hiding behind cover. Uh, I'm going to go through my dart overlay. I can see you behind the wall. Uh, Your gun's now going to kick back and you're going to be, you know, removed from that cover. Yeah, Yeah, I I quite like that. That's quite cool because cover mechanics are quite boring now. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to duck behind the wall. Yeah. And then you wait for the enemy to pop their head up. Oh, well, now shoot your head. Like, that's quite boring now. So to actually remove them from the cover was quite exciting. Um, I played the game on hard, which I feel forced me to use the mechanics a lot more aggressively and thoughtfully than I would on a normal game. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much, because it actually provided a, a serious challenge. And yeah. I had to think about what I was doing before I ran into a room. Rather, I think if I played it on easy or normal, you would just go in and just go, yeah, I'm just a Terminator, you know, exterminating everyone. Yeah, I think that's true. I think the hard difficulty, there's a couple of boss fights and a couple of mini boss fights that are quite memorable because you literally are in a room and there's a couple of pillars to hide behind, but very quickly three or four enemies will come in, one of them a heavy, and they'll start flanking you. So you've got to very, very swiftly work out how you want to tackle this fight. Um, I think... And and the fact that you've got secondary fires on your weapons, including the sniper rifle being able to fire through cover as well, meant that you always felt like you had the upper hand because of your abilities. But once you'd used the ability once, that was really the only way to use it. 
so backfire mm-hmm. you knocked them out of of cover or you shot through the cover or you you know it was always you were using the ability in the same way there was just nothing mm-hmm. I, I never thought I, I never felt I had to actually think about what I was going to do when I went into a fight more than just assessing who the enemies were and which one I was going to uh, attack first and you know what was the biggest threat it speaks volumes that we haven't even really spoke about the tech tree in this game. It's quite cool getting the chip out from someone's brain and you know sucking it back out of their head. But like, I don't really, I didn't really care for the tech tree. It's there, and you know, it's not really a tech tree. You just put points wherever you want, and you know, it. I think Tony mentioned earlier, it does do minor benefits to your character. But they could have gone mental with that stuff. I mean, they could have really pushed the boundaries. They do. I mean, this is where the, <laughs> the where the co-op really starts to shine because all the, all that stuff where I'm being quite critical in the single player actually does exist in in the co-op. Yeah, there's a mm. curious so, difference because in the single player, I don't know, I don't think you actually know it from the start, but you're only ever going to get eight upgrades because there are only eight points during the game where you get an extra chip that you can build onto your dart chip, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so you only ever get eight eight upgrades, and that really limits because there's i think i think it's the same as as co-op where there's actually 30 different upgrades on the chip there's certainly many more than eight so you can't upgrade everything um Hmm. and you can't do anything to get any extra upgrades so no matter how you're playing the game you get the same upgrades and you benefit from having upgrade nodes on your chip that are adjacent to one another it gives you a health boost if they're adjacent so you're encouraged to put them next to one another which means you're discouraged from experimenting with the different options that you have elsewhere on the chip and ultimately it comes down to a a health boost or a boost to the amount of time you can have your your dart overlay uh view on and that sort of thing so i think there's a lot of scope and it's really interesting potential upgrade system that also makes sense in the game you know a lot of games you have Hmm. you have upgrades and and uh experience points but there's no real reason that you should have these points whereas obviously having a chip in your head that you can access different um abilities through that that that's built into the fiction and it makes sense it just yeah versus the co-op it never really feels like you're given the chance to play with abilities in the way that some other games you are it's not completely void of that enjoyment in fact there's one scene which i i was actually great actually it was probably the best thing in the entirety of the single player game where you're up against a, a mini boss uh, he has a rocket launcher and a, you know with your dart chip you can hack into the missiles which are firing at you and actually redirect them back to him so essentially so he fires a rocket out you you um, hack into it you send it back he sends it back to you you send it back to him and it becomes this this thing of who can hack it the fast enough before the chip actually you know before it actually explodes on them and there becomes a point where he then sends about 10 out of you and you need to kind of slow down time with your dart overlay and hack them all and then we'll send them back to him to kill them um, that was a really good moment and that's what i think i was expecting more from the single player just to be more creative they have this yeah. dart they have this dart chip that allows them to do so much and they seem to just for the majority of time use it for you know three particular things um yeah i think the final boss battle is pretty indicative of that even on hard it wasn't particularly hard in terms of i knew what i had to do to survive long enough Mm. to kill them Uh, it just took a long time because you're up against three enemies one of them being um merit who we haven't actually said is voiced by michael winkett who did a fantastic job i i just love his voice work in this game and in um darksiders 2 he was in as well uh he was really excellent um 
so you're up against him and two other agents and essentially your cover needs to be breached to stay up so occasionally they'll breach the cover and try and put it down to to expose you and you need to breach it to put it back up and then it's kind of just a game of hide and seek you're running around to hide long enough to to recover um and then chip away at their health and take them down and it it, there's nothing interesting about the boss fight it's literally just a war of attrition making sure that you do what you need to do to survive and chip away at their health uh, and use the you know grenades and abilities that you have to just chip away at them and it's there's just for for all the abilities you have and all the different ways you know even me with my limited creative capacity could think of to use them um it it's just a little disappointing that that final boss fight was just a bit of a dud really Right, so let's move on to the co-op campaign. I think you know we've we've talked enough about the single player and, and some of our disappointments with that. But uh, the reason I played this game and the reason Carl played this game and probably the reason James also played this game, and, but not, sadly not Darren, um, <laughs> was the co-op campaign. Um, so a quote from executive producer Jeff Garman. Co-op was always equal billing to the single player. It's an important part of the reimagining of the original gameplay for four agents raiding the enemy territory. The breaching mechanics lend themselves perfectly to co-op gameplay, forcing and rewarding players to work together as a squad, which incidentally is the only way you can win at higher skill levels. Competitive multiplayer was on the table at one point, but co-op ran away of it. I'm proud of what the team did and what we made, and especially proud of the co-op. I think it really shows what we wanted to do with the game and Starbreeze's DNA. Now that's the point I wanted to get at the very the last sentence there. I'm proud of what the team did and made. I'm especially proud out of the co-op i think i i think it really shows what we wanted to do with the game and starbreeze's dna that section there says to me what i think starbreeze wanted to do with this game yeah. and actually what this game is in in regards closest to its 1993 release which is four players um more there's actually 15 different abilities that you have breaching abilities uh, instead of the four in the main single in the single player game it's a whole load more of options and it feels a lot closer to what the original syndicate game was well and the co-op missions actual reimaginings of the the actual the actual missions from the first syndicate game i remember reading that somewhere i don't know if i'm yeah i I believe that certain elements of what you do in those co-op missions were taken directly um, mm, from yeah. those games and obviously just reimagined for FPS but that was certainly something that they made quite clear and the, and, and the right it, the co-op did actually have equal billing I mentioned it at the start that all the adverts quickly showed the single player and you feel that it was certainly Starbreeze's pride and joy in the co-op because yeah. well, were that very, was the demo wasn't it so. they were very vocal on advertising four player co-op and again that's when they released the demo and and I think you nailed it absolutely dead on this is why Starbreeze took this project um, and if you remember back to an, another EA game we covered that we also criticised the single player of Battlefield 3 a game mm-hmm. where it almost felt shoehorned in um, it's exactly how I feel about Syndicate that Co-op was always what was on the table, um, and sort of to because not everyone has online capabilities, etc., etc. It feels like they were pushed into creating a single-player game, um, and it certainly doesn't have the same qualities because you'll you'll hear us rave on again, and it feels so strange because I struggled through the campaign 
it's a six hour campaign in single player but it felt like 12 and there were times when I knew I had to get on with the game and it was I'll get back to it in an hour I'll give it another hour and when it comes to co-op if we're all online, it's something right. Let's get on this. You know, let's play this. And there's there's an eagerness and anticipation to want to play yeah. the court because it sets itself so differently from the single player game, and feels so solid and complete. Um, it, it's just utterly dumbfounding how different the qualities of the two elements are. They're Again, complete endless like, spectrums, aren't like they? Battlefield Three was for me. This is exactly the same. Yeah, it it does seem very odd that at a time when EA have famously said that they they don't want to release games that don't have multiplayer built into them, we've got two games who, whose primary uh, focus is multiplayer that seem to have single player shoehorned into them. Seems a very odd situation, and especially, I mean... EA didn't make, but did publish on consoles, Left 4 Dead. Hmm. That's a game that I would admit, having played through it, mostly single player, is not a single player game. You don't play Left 4 Dead if you don't have, frankly, friends you can play with, because I don't think playing online with with strangers is is a a bright idea for for that game. And here we've got a game that the co-op campaign, we are all fantastic fans of, and it's got this weird single player stuck onto it for what discernible reason I can't imagine. Aside from the fact that its production uh, and presentation is fantastic, you know, the co-op's what I'm going to remember this game for. It's really strange. I never got to experience the co-op campaign, uh, largely because of Origin, the the PC service, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> You'd you think that installing the game from a disc would install all the files. You know, fine, it's fine. But when you put the disc in, it's like, oh, you've got Syndicate. Oh, well done, thanks for buying it. And then it begins to download the files, and you're thinking, well, why have I even got a disc? Why don't you just email me a code? Do you know what I mean? Uh, played the single player, enjoyed it. Thought it was quite cool. You know, it you know, it's a bit paint by numbers, a bit run of the mill, but I enjoyed it. Okay, click on co-op. Um, I've logged into Origin already. It's like Steam. You log in, you've got your games on a list. I've logged into Origin already. So when I click on co-op, it goes, oh, um, can you enter your key? Your key's inside the case. Can you enter it? I'm like, okay. Enter the key. That's fine. Enter. Can you log into Origin? I'm like, well, I've just logged into Origin, but I'll do it again anyway. Yep. Email, password. Unexpected errors occurred, and I'm thinking, well, that's like the most vague information I could get from this game. It's like, yeah, unexpected it, it may error. well yeah. just said bye. Yeah, see ya. Thanks for your money. Um, and then what it does that pissed me off more than not actually playing the carp at all was that it takes you back to the front end, and then it doesn't save your information that you've typed in. So it's like, co op, okay, log into Origin, email, password, enter, serial key, right. And then it tells me again, unexpected error. This is after installing it with a firewall, uninstalling it, installing it without a firewall. It never saves the information. So I'm constantly entering in at least 50 characters per you know, failed attempt. And I just went to the Origin forums, and obviously there's a bunch of idiots there, including me, moaning, man, this game's not working. And they just failed to answer your mm. questions. And I sent tickets to EA, and they were saying, well, have you tried installing it offline? You're like, well, <laughs> no, because the, the CD doesn't work. It's like, well, it's obviously a firewall issue because it's not downloading the files. You're like, well, 
You know what? I just I'm not going to bother buying a game on Origin again at full price. So yeah. careful, you can't criticise here, Darren. will ban you from the forums. <laughs> Just a bunch of tosses, man. Like it really pissed me off that I couldn't play yeah. the uh, the co-op campaign. I'd have played it with anyone. Like you know, I'm a bit of a mm. whore. I'll just jump in with anyone. I'll, I'm not bothered. But the fact that I couldn't even touch it because I had to log into Origins twice. Yeah. It, it's just yeah, well, it's frustrating. To, to that point, I'm not even too sure you could play it with anybody because you know, down to the nature of the co-op, there there has to be a lot of communication. Um, so the the co-op is across nine different maps. You you travel around a lot of the areas which are, have been involved in a single player. They kind of cut out areas, um, you know, for you to to play through. But they they open up different sections and add bits there or, or remove bits here. Uh, but it feels like its own thing. So what makes co-op so much better than a single player? Well, obviously you, know, you have three other people, but because you have three other people, you have the ability to chain. Um, your abilities so your breach abilities um you also have a lot more abilities so along with the standard backfire they actually don't give you suicide which is annoying because that was a great one from the single player that doesn't make it over but maybe they're thinking it make it a bit too easy um but you have um you have the breach you then have a a damage link which um if somebody has on your squad it gives you everybody's weapon a higher rate of damage you have emp which breaks down shields you have focus breach which obviously makes stuff um you can breach into areas faster or breach into enemies uh faster um there's lots down here i could go down the whole list but there's a there's a whole load um so as your four player unit um you have to work as a as a team and one of the things i absolutely love about this game is that you don't actually have a health bar you can't see your own health um it's down to other people around you they can see your health so for instance carl can see my health james can see my health darren can see my health but i can't so if i'm in combat and i'm getting you know taken all i can see yes my screen starting to get blurry around me at the when i'm just about to die but you don't want to get in that situation because shortly afterwards you're likely to die so everybody else on your team needs to be viewing what's going on at all times so if if i see that carl was down on health i'll be shouting carl get back in cover because he can't see that he's just about to die and somebody else will be using their breach ability to actually top up his health because as everybody can heal everybody it's one of those major things which means that everybody's always concentrating on what everybody else is doing nobody's drifting off nobody can run forward because you run forward a bit like left for dead you might as well be left for dead because you'll die almost instantaneously and you'll go into this reboot phase which takes a long time for one of your squad mates to to pick you up uh, off your knees and, and put in themselves into harm's way yeah, I mean, if if you play this and run forward and go solo, you'll literally be a drain on the rest of the team because they will have to find a way to get close enough to you to reboot you and bring you back into the game. Um, and the longer you are down, the longer it takes to reboot someone. Um, mm-hmm. If if you're right next to your teammate and go down, they can pick you up in, what, a second maybe? Um, whereas if you're a long way away and they have to get to you, almost undoubtedly it's going to take 20 seconds to reboot that player. Um, so um, it, it really it rewards it, almost exactly like Left 4 Dead, actually. It rewards being a close-knit group that don't necessarily stay right next to one another, but make sure you know where one another is. And the the busy HUDs that, that um, Darren was talking about, I had exactly the same feeling when I first saw this. It's so much information, and the reason for that is you have three sets of health bars on the screen uh, for your three 
teammates, uh, and you can also see what abilities they have, and um, you've obviously got your own abilities up, and you know whether they've got to recharge mm-hmm. or or not. But um, you can start to pick tactics and abilities that really complement one another. So, I mean, I always took a sniper rifle and made sure I had squad heal. So my job was to make sure that I was healing everyone, and the fact I had a sniper rifle meant I could hang back a bit and ah. and try and you know take out people from a distance. It encourages a sort of communication, which, again, we're going to draw comparisons to Left 4 Dead because that is ultimately the other co-op game where you communicate a lot. And in this, there's communication, but with real tactics. Um, as James yeah. said, he, he always sits at the back, um, not in a bad way. Yeah, you know he's got the sniper <laughs> rifle and he's healing people and he uses the squad heal perk so that you know if push comes to shove and we're all getting attacked, you know he can heal us quicker or and together and, everyone at once. Yeah, and there's been battles where we've come up against a mini boss, for example, and as he said, that the, the longer that you're down, the more time it takes to recover. Yeah. And there's times where it's been so intense in a small room that you've literally been telling your teammates, "Leave me, don't." doesn't matter and <laughs> i'm fine yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and you you know you have to stay sort of out of the way and down for the benefit of the team and it it the, the sort of tactical side of this thing just sort of really turns the game on its head because as darren mentioned the single player is so aggressive and direct that the co-op is you know the flip side of that, you, there's tactics. Everyone has to keep each other in shot, and everyone's talking. Oh, your health's low. You know, we'll put the skills together where we'll stick a the virus perk where you can take down a, a level and shield of one person's level immediately, and well, someone else will use a battery so that they can recover the, the, the their abilities quicker. This this is exactly it, and the, the game actually starts you off pretty weak. Um, yeah, you, you'll find if you try to go anything above. You know, normal. I think is, is it normal or easy? They put it as easy. Normal, yeah. You go, yeah, go above the the easiest level. Um, it becomes it's pretty impossible actually. Yeah, we we. I mean, remember playing the demo, and even later after we got it, if if you're going directly and trying to play hard, you can spend anything out to an hour and a half trying to progress through these levels because the bosses that you'll come against are, are damn right impossible at that at that yeah. stage because you haven't unlocked a, a bunch of stuff. Now, I'm a person that I've. <laughs> I've never really been into the the new wave of un- you need to unlock this, unlock that, shoot more people, unlock this, unlock that. I find that actually it, it distracts from my enjoyment. I kind of I, I like the good old days when you almost like Halo. Everybody knew what the weapons were yeah. and they just worked. Uh, the original Gears of War, everyone knew what those placements were. Just get the weapon and they they play like that. I've always been a fan of that. But this is the first one where you know the more points you earn, the more abilities you unlock, the more things you work to, and it has um, this this XP system where. Um, you need to set weapons off to be researched. You don't necessarily need to be using that weapon, but any points that you're gaining while shooting a weapon and, and earning skill points is working towards researching another ability on that weapon. Um, mini bosses that you start ripping chips out that you do in the single player, but in the in the multiplayer, in the co-op, if you rip a chip out, then that goes towards a big tally of stuff you can spend on upgrade points towards um, your abilities, such as you know, the, the talked about uh, the virus and the squad heal and the shielding. Yeah. Bits like that as you progress through the game it slowly unlocks all that stuff so once you've been through the game once um on the normal difficulty and you know some of these levels as i say taken an hour maybe up to an hour and a half 
you've unlocked a whole bunch of stuff and you start working your way you know, back through again. And what used to take you an hour and a half now could take you 15 minutes. because yeah. Even though you're all... on a higher difficulty. Yeah, because you've suddenly got all these perks. You understand as a, as a squad, as a unit. Um, so some of the later ones, uh, Carl's alluded to something called Virus. So you, you come up against these mini-bosses with big chain guns or big flame flowers, which first time round would pretty much decimate well three quarters of the team and it'd be left down to that one last that that team member to to get that final shot in um normally what you have to do you have to breach their shields um they have multiple layers of shields so you break down their shield once then you take down a bit of the health the next shield then goes up you have to breach that again and you know know, continue on over and over and over again but as you get more and more skilled at the game and more and more perks unlocked you get abilities like virus which instantaneously breaks down that shield so you don't have four people all standing there running around in circles in blind panic trying to take down what the equivalent of the tank is you know with the you know no ability even of a fence just trying to you know grab that shield and knock it down so you get people taking virus in and, and stacking it up on these these characters and you can bring them down in in pretty you know double quick time but you feel like you've earned that that route um Rather yeah. than just, you know, like I say, it's just all offensive in the single player. I feel like you've earned the, the ability to have this stuff, yeah. which is more offensive because you've spent, you know, maybe at this point, 10 hours plus going through the the, the, sink, the, the co-op first time yeah. round, um, actually using a lot of abilities which aren't offensive at all. They're all actually just tactical abilities. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you feel like you've paid your dues because you've already done the level on normal difficulty and and really had to think about how you're going to take this enemy down. So by the time you get to hard difficulty, you feel like the fact that... I mean, I, I was actually quite disappointed that after we'd gone through on normal where frequently you would have last man standing and there'd only be one of us left up and it was up to them to try and keep away from the enemies or take an enemy down and be able to get and reboot someone you have that real terror like you do on a Halo or a Gears of War where you're the last man in the team and there's two or three enemies hunting you down Um, you, you have that but by the time you get to hard you've paid your dues and sure you still go down and you still need rebooting but rarely does it get to the point where the whole team is completely decimated and um, you're not able to deal with it because you get abilities like reboot which means even if you do go down as long as your reboot is charged you can reboot yourself Um, which you would think would sort of undo some of the the team based side of it but what it actually means is you can get straight back into the fight and start in my case healing Mm. the rest of the team and carrying on with that so it really does change um yeah so once you've uh gone into hard difficulty it really changes the feel much like a game like halo does you know it feels completely different on a different difficulty because you've unlocked different abilities and because the enemies they throw at you are different and significantly harder there's some enemies you will not see despite having played through all nine levels on normal difficulty until you get to hard and likewise there's enemies in hard that you won't see until you get into impossible difficulty so it really becomes um great to have a squad of four the syndicate system helps with that as well because it keeps track of your syndicate's performance um and we've had a team of four and been playing through whenever we've had the chance um and making sure we're all available and sticking to the same group to to experience it together and to really be able to gel as a team the 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 co-op's quite interesting in the fact that you can almost sculpt your character into any way you want so with many games where they'll have a tank and they'll have a medic and they'll have a scout 
and because you originally you're picking your your specifications out in a certain way as we've mentioned james would be the medic i would i would probably be the scout i'd be the one that would run in first like an idiot and you know tony would perhaps closely resemble the tank because he'd be the one that you know would sort of mop up and then help with any sort of recovery and that, that was really good but the most surprising thing about it is that and the, the thing that maybe differentiates it from most if not all co-op games is how utterly overwhelming it can appear at first um, not just from the information that's on the hood but browsing the menus the things that unlock um, I've played with a few people and I've said the same thing to every single one of them I'll go on with you and I'll show you a rough outline of what to do and everyone's replied the same oh it's okay I'll figure it out and we get in the game and they don't have a clue what to do it's there's so much information um, the, the menu does a strange thing where it gives you all, it's almost blurry which was kind of a strange design choice but it looks quite cool but it's where you find the information set in the research upgrades for your chips for the uh, applications and and so on and so forth um, it adds a real level of depth uh, that is just so good um, and and that is essentially what will get you through the the early stages of the co-op itself um, just playing with friends is always fun but playing with a sense of purpose always adds that little something extra that I've really enjoyed in, in Syndicate yeah you, you come out and you need that that five minute break between doing missions because everybody needs to reset up different things that they want to research if something has finished through, you know, through playing the game um, you know, make sure they got which other upgrades they want for which particular battle that may be coming up if you know that you've, you know, you need, yeah. you're coming up against a certain boss bits like that it just yeah, adds a, a layer of complexity that's yeah. missing from and, the and uh, even if you, sorry, even if you don't have that to do if you're waiting for someone else to finish changing their loadout or whatever you've got um, not just the challenges because you've got individual challenges just in terms of number of different enemy types killed uh, weapons uh, use that sort of thing but you've also got syndicate progress so we've got a Kanan Rin syndicate and we know our position in the world as it were in terms of all the other syndicates um, and whether we're moving up and down and um, what our records are in terms of accuracy and all, all sorts of stats that are in there that you can just trawl through and we spent a good 15 minutes looking at that sort of stuff after we'd finished playing the game uh, the other night when we played, just looking through and seeing all the different stats and bits and bobs that are in there to, to think about and to concentrate on. Mm. And um, I mean, I think this is probably what's coloured my opinion of the, the single player stuff because I'd, I'd put at this stage probably 15 to 20 hours into the multiplayer side of stuff. But as and when I went to the single player, it was, it was seemingly lacking so much. Um, you know, if if not just abilities and weapons and uh, different enemies that you come up against, it seemed to be lacking all the stuff just ripped out of its very core and put into this four-player co-op. And it and it felt like well, a lot of this stuff could have quite easily have been in the single player. It didn't feel like you needed to you know take out the beating heart of the beast and just use free examples. Um, and certainly with the, the the co-op side of things, you know, I I 
enjoyed opening doors for people to get through uh you know setting up turrets and stuff for for them to then you know push through as as a group or you know, having two other people you know taking down a shield and having that third one aim for the head while somebody else is doing all the cover fire for all those other people so as and when you move into a single player just being that one out man army really doesn't feel like it works particularly well and actually doesn't you know live to its namesake of what the original game was so i think in heart if you're after a syndicate game and you have four people this is the true syndicate game uh, in in the in the co-op so we had some correspondence from the forum and for you reviews so there'll be 2k says well i'm assuming that this has been chosen more for the multi than the single player or as i call it the bit i never played much of this means that this perspective comes more from the single player campaign which is, well, enjoyably ordinary if such a phrase exists. Syndicate is the tale of a game that had many ideas, but no way to implement them, implement them into a tactical combat loop that extended beyond the standard point of squeeze, shoot and kill. The idea of hacking both the environment or your opponents could have led to some fantastic puzzles or combat scenarios that, just, that just never materialised. Instead, you spent most of, the, most of the time rinsing and repeating the same actions once the cool-off period had elapsed. It was never about being clever, which was a real shame. Instead, we got a solid gunplay with an artistic style that is really fantastic to look at. Great use of colour and bloom led to a truly fan, uh, futuristic-looking world that looked great to play through. Syndicate was never, ever a bad single-player game. It was just never a very special or unique one either. Uh, Al82, also on the forum, says, I was a huge fan of the original Syndicate back in the day, so much so that I first bought it on the Amiga and then on PC as well. When the rumours of Starbreeze's Project Red Lime turned out to be true, I was very excited. When it was then announced that it would be an FPS and available on consoles as well as PC, I knew that the final product would probably bear little resemblance to the 1993 original. Even so, I still ordered a copy just to see what it was like. It turns out that it's a reasonable, if unremarkable, FPS and bears the hallmarks of a developer that knows what it's doing, but was unable to capitalise on the licence it had been given. The main character has a ridiculous name, Miles Kilo, and the story is far too short, although the assembled cast of Brian Cox, Michael Wincott and Rosario Dawson managed to do a decent job with the available material. The co-op mode offered missions based on those from the original Syndicate and were more varied than the single-player missions. There was also a research-slash-design section taken from the original game, which equated to a weapon and character upgrade system similar to that found in Battlefield 3. Unfortunately, after a couple of weeks, there was nobody else online to play with, presumably as everyone had moved on to play bigger and better games. Ultimately, as an FPS game, it's not bad. There are many worse than this, but it should be entitled Generic Future Shooter rather than Syndicate. Well, Al82, come play with us. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the secret, isn't it? Is And not everyone's in that position. I know because I've been in that position yeah. myself a few times where I'd love to play, but there's no one around. So, yeah, unfortunate. We've had a smattering of free world reviews. So, Michael Ledwood, demo lacked Persuadatronics. Uh, Stephen Thompson Jones says, good but wasted. In brackets, i.e., didn't need the license. As Antiriad says, I kind of nicked it earlier. Paint by numbers. Joshua Combine Hunter Garrity. Very good co op. Pixie Ninja 23 betrays the original. And on that note, the Sonic Mole says, not really syndicate. So, let's quickly sum up our opinions. We've we've talked quite long and extensively about the single player and the multiplayer, so a uh, quick summarisations. James? Yeah, the syndicate 
was an intriguing prospect for me to begin with, and it still proves to to bear that out. I think um, the co-op is unrivaled. I don't think I've played a co-op game that I've enjoyed as much as this and got so much out of. Um, it's absolutely fantastic, but that's with the caveat of having people to play with. Uh, it's possible to play it single player, but I wouldn't. It's um, it's far better to 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 play the co-op levels as co-op experience and if you've got a group of four you can play with fantastic um the single player i'm torn because i think the presentation and just the mechanics of shooting and the weapons and when you get them initially the the abilities you have as well make it quite interesting and fun to play but all the reasons you would want that single player to be good aside from that this the story's just not great or it's not well told i guess um and it becomes repetitive and as as carl says for for a six-hour game it, it feels longer than that and that's not a good thing in this case um so yeah pick it up for the co-op and then don't expect much and have a tinker around with single player and and you'll probably find you enjoy it if you've got lowered expectations darren yeah, and I think those sort of lowered expectations were where I where I sat in the Venn diagram. You know, there were there were syndicate yeah. fans, there were first person shooter Starbreeze fans, and I was I guess I was somewhere in the middle. I guess you know I wasn't really a syndicate fan. Uh, I've I've been bored by first person shooters in the past, so my expectations were lowered to a point where I quite enjoyed syndicate single player. Uh, the story was a bit you know it was a bit of a wet fart. I just it, it, you know it creeped out, and I just ignored it. Um, but I can't speak for the other half of the game, which sounds like it was amazing. Like it sounds like it was a real good co-op experience, and maybe Starbury should have went a whole hog on the co-op and made a Left 4 Dead box. You know, like Left 4 Dead is just a co-op game. You play it on your own. You're kind of doing it wrong. So maybe Syndicate needed to do that to, in order to succeed, and um, you know, put his head above the ball pit, so to speak. So yeah, um, I liked it. It's just not. I can't recommend it in any way at all because it's just it's just too generic. Carl, it's strange when we've got a game that we've all been so highly critical of in terms of its single player, a game where things could have been done better, and a game that only sold one hundred and fifty thousand copies. Yes, we'll completely excuse the developer because we think not only are they special, which they are. Uh, they did a good job where we felt it matters, and that is, again, with with the co-op. And it, it's going to be the same. Uh, you know, we all love the co-op. It's, it does do it differently. Uh, it, if, if you can round up some friends to play with, for the price that you can pick this game up for, it's more than worth picking it up uh, and use the single player as, as the secondary feature of the game because it does have some good features. The aesthetics of it in particular are... Are very special. Um, stick with the co-op. It, as I said, it can be unwelcoming. Uh, it can be incredibly overwhelming, but everything makes sense given time to learn it. Um, and it, if you take that time, you, you will get an incredibly rewarding experience. I remember talking about Battlefield Three and the single player of that, and um, hearing everybody on the show being very critical of the single player. And actually, I felt that the the single player itself was okay unremarkable but okay certainly not as bad as everyone was making it out to be almost like people were taking pride in in you know kicking the shit out of it just because you know they preferred the multiplayer so much and at the time i thought that was ridiculous 
I've come to this game and that's exactly how I feel about <laughs> this game, which is the single player is a, a complete letdown. It, it should be so much more. Some of that clearly comes from enjoying the multiplayer so much, but it feels at every step away a missed opportunity. The presentation of it is fantastic throughout, but it's just an empty vessel. There's so much more they could have done in that play- playground, but they didn't. Um, for what reasons, I don't know. But on the flip side, the co-op's fantastic. You know, uh, to be honest, I mean, we could have done an entire show, just talked about the co-op, about the tactics we use with certain bosses, about how you know going up to the higher difficulty levels, how to uh, you know to use combinations of, of different stuff, um, some of the environments, you know, all that stuff. I, I honestly believe we could have done an hour and a half show on um, Syndicate. 2012 the co-op edition and annulled the the single player in in its entirety instead we've had to kind of cram it all together which you know that's what the game package is um you know i'm not gonna mark it lower because it has what i think is you know a fairly generic single player game um because i yeah to say i I think we're going to be continuing playing the co-op we've been playing it for a number of months now and it will be one of those things where in a few weeks time we go oh everyone fancy co-op again and we'll be going through the you know the experts levels trying to rank up ourselves so you know but then that doesn't help everybody because let's face it 90% of the people listening to this won't have the ability to play four player co-op with their friends when it comes to this game um you know because life just isn't that fortunate um you know what i will say is you know join the forum ask for a game night because i'm sure you know there will be a member of this crew that will be happy enough to jump on that and actually play it with you because we all really enjoy the game so the heart and soul of this game um, exists in the in the co-op um you know so for me it gets a recommendation for that um but beyond that i'm i was sorely disappointed the single player which is a shame we, we should just quickly give a shout out because obviously um myself yourself tony and, and carl as well we our fourth uh was consistently um paul eccles widget um on yep. twitter and and xbox and we should uh, give a shout out to him because uh, the four of us together had uh, that's what made it such a good uh good time on the co-op i think yeah combine hunter he's been there Max yep, Smash, been, yeah, um, yeah. even you know Forward, you know, there's lots of people from out the community that actually jumped in and, and play through. And like Carl says, you kind of need somebody to give you a guiding hand because it can be quite overwhelming the first time you get in there. But yeah. yeah. Right, so, roundup. You can play along with Kane and Rince, Volume 2. The next show in the in the roster will be Half-Life 2, Cave Story, Binary Domain, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, then Half-Life 2 Episodes 1 and 2, Akami HD, Shemu 1 and 2, Applejack 1 and 2 and Papa and Yo. The month-by-month schedule can be found on the blog. The blog is at caneandrince.com. Quick Rinse videos are also found there and on our YouTube channel. Um, Twitter is at caneandrince. Facebook.com slash caneandrince is where you can find us on Facebook. Uh, And email at caneandrince at gmail.com. Your support for the show via iTunes subscriptions, reviews and ratings are always massively appreciated. And of course, you can join the Cane and Rinse community and have your say over at the forums, which can be found at caneandrinse.com forward slash forums. That just leaves me to say thank you very much to Darren, James and Carl. We have been Cane and Rinse. Good night. <laughs>